Hello and welcome to the After Credibles, the movie discussion podcast where the least credible people you know discuss everything in the world of cinema. My name is Charlie Rogers and today I'm accompanied by Alex Conway, Andrew Medanzik and Guy Bevan. Welcome back to the show everyone. Sip. Hey hey, good to be back. What up? Today we are taking a break from reviewing movies. Last week Andy said something very interesting when discussing Ant-Man's unusual marketing techniques. He mentioned that best marketing piece may make a cool Oscars category. And that got me thinking about the actual new category that the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences has recently added to the Oscars, the best popular film category, which has been met with a very interesting reaction from around the world. And with that in mind, what a fantastic time it is to get the team around to discuss the issues facing the Academy today, what we think of the Oscars and where the Academy might be headed into the future. So, the Academy has been going for a good 90 years. In that time, we've had some high points and low points. Guy, do you have any favourite highs and lows from past Oscars ceremonies? Uh, well, yes, but I, I don't, it's not really... I don't watch the Oscars kind of closely, but my kind of favourite moments that I remember about the Oscars was when Heath Ledger won... Um, posthumously best actor for the joker in 2008 and the reason i like that is because there's only been two actors who have won posthumous best actor awards and that's heath ledger in 2008 and then in 1976 another australian named peter finch won it and i think that's a really cool claim for you know us us as a nation to have is we have two posthumous <laughs> best actors best uh he won best supporting actor but yeah yeah, yeah i go yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Famous dead people. So we're the only country that can claim claim to be at the top even after we're dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. it. Alex, what about you? Uh, probably the Anne Hathaway and James Franco train wreck of them hosting. Oh, what year was that? <laughs> I don't know. It was a bad year, either way. <laughs> can, you, can you just... I don't know. It was just a tra- can you talk us through it, Aegon? What exactly was the train wreck about it? Anne Hathaway was terrified and James Franco was really stoned. Like, <laughs> and Anne Hathaway was like dragging James Franco through everything <laughs> oh, and he did not want to be there. Wow. And it was just... James Franco went and drag in one part of it, and it was just really awkward, and he just had way too much. Ouch. (laughs) I think it was on acid. You know, honestly, I'm not surprised about James Franco not wanting to be there, because I think the Academy Awards have this reputation for a long time of being just, like, a boring, like, kind of going through the motions event for the people involved. I think... So in 1970... George C. Scott was nominated for the film Patton, but he didn't want to go to the award show because he said the ceremonies are a two-hour meat parade, a public display <laughs> with contrived suspense for economic reasons. Mm. So I think that it, it fits the narrative, doesn't it? Was George C. Scott still in character when he said that? It sounds like a very Patton thing to say. <laughs> Probably, mate. Or was it his um, character from, um, what was the Stanley Kubrick movie? Oh, yeah. Dr. Lovecraft. General Turgidson. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, another classic role. So you're saying the Oscars were only two hours long back then? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, it, they the first that was my takeaway from that because now they're like four hours or yeah. something ridiculous. Here's another fun fact: the first ever Oscars was 15 minutes long. How, how many awards did oh, they have? Did they just have thing. a conveyor belt? <laughs> yeah. I think they, they, no speeches. No, they, they had about. I think I had, they had about 12. They had like 12 awards, um, and like 270 people in a room, and like. Just flushed them all out and then went and got drunk, I imagine. Was it a revolving door? Were they just going in and straight out and just handing him stuff and just... I, I, sh- I don't know, man. It was at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel and it cost five bucks to get in or $71 in today. It's 
pretty cheap. Could you imagine being the first person to take that award and actually decide to do a speech? And everyone's going to be like, oh, my God, here we are. going to be here for a whole half an hour now. <laughs> and then it's, and now, now it's just like four, four hours. It's getting longer every time. Yeah. Who's got the longest one? Who's got the longest speech? Oh, oh, that's a good one. Well, the, they they play they, they play him off now, right? Yeah, Rusty was played off, and he made a big like hoo ha about that. But I think that was a recent development. The playing them off. Um, I think that's only the last ten years, isn't it, or maybe fifteen years? But before then, there were no limits. Oi. Or the ones that have the really shorter speech, where they just go up and say, "Oh, yeah, thanks," and then they're down. Yeah, yeah. Like um, um, when Marlon Brando refused his award for Godfather, he got. Um, someone to come up to do the speech for him and she brought five pages of of speech to say when she was a native american as well yeah yeah and she wasn't allowed to say the speech she had to she had to kind of ad lib it but i don't know why uh they let they allowed her to say what she wanted to say but not let her just read the speech it was was very odd Mm. yeah Uh, you you know uh, talking about long speeches i remember the um the one where Cuba Gooding Jr. just kept going oh. when they tried to play him yeah, off. And he, and he just kept yelling over the music. Dude, and the energy he had was so epic. Like, it was actually, that's one of my favourite moments. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't watch it live. I was too young for that. But I love watching it over and over because it's just, I love people when they're so excited and they have that such raw, epic emotion. Mm. So good. Yeah, that's an iconic one. Probably just knew that was the high point of his career. <laughs> All downhill from there. Oh, oh. What are you talking about? Those Optisads are great. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he played OJ Simpson. That's a that's a, that's an honor. Yeah. <laughs> 20 years later. Yeah. Cuba's coming back, baby. Guys, why don't we talk about the best popular film category? It is basically the latest bout of drama to hit the academy. I'm confused as to why they made it. Well, actually, I'm not confused as to why they made it. What I'm confused is is why they didn't have someone going, this is a silly idea. Yes, is that how you feel? See, what, what, what does it actually... What do you have to do to qualify for that? Like, how do they... How would they ascertain what the winner of Best Popular Film is? Well, they... As, 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 as far as I'm aware, they hadn't hashed that out yet. The, the, the reason it got out into the public sphere was because... It was uh, part of a, I think it was part of like a, a monthly or periodic newsletter to all the Academy members. And it said they were making a popular film category. I think all it said about uh, eligibility was that films that would have been nominated for best popular film would have also have been able to be nominated for best picture. But I'm not sure whether that means both or one or the other. But um, yeah, they were still trying to hash out the uh, details of it before it got into the public sphere and everyone started trashing it. I know that w- when it came out, like, I could, you can understand why they did it because the Oscars award- awards have been evolving over the years. Like, in 2002, they added um, the best animated feature. And I think they just wanted to keep up with the, you know, amount of, of films that are coming out and all the block. There's it- probably the blockbuster kind of, uh, like, dominance, you know, which don't actually get those best picture nominations. But yeah, it came out like you said, too early, with no parameters. Nobody really knew. Everyone was speculating why they would be outraged about it. Um, and then, you know, they, they scrapped the idea for this year, but, like, it wouldn't have made it... It's kind of irrelevant because Black Panther was kind of the film that you would look at and say that would be the most popular, special, a meritorious award. But um, that in itself is a good enough film to probably be in the best picture category anyway. Yeah, yeah. Oh, certainly. And it's strange to me because I, I, I feel like it's short-sighted. Like, it's never been 
entirely in the Oscars history that they've only ever picked art house, low budget, not mainstream films to be best picture candidates. I mean, like Titanic won best picture, Lord of the Rings won best picture. It seems strange to me that because they're going through, I, I, I as I've understand it, the Oscars have voting has tended to sometimes go through phases and right now it's 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 like the oscars best picture categories are leaning further away from the crowd pleasers but i don't know it's is 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 it just not strange that uh <laughs> i don't know what to say it just seems like a very odd decision so it's good that that actually that idea for that category got rejected like would any of us four be in favor of that being introduced no i wouldn't no i don't know how would they judge it like who got best box office then that's already their prize. Oh, imagine that. Like, highest highest grossing box office is, is already your prize. Like so, you won. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Include, include DVD sales then. The voting system, right, for the awards is, you know, the ballot of their about 8,000 members of the Academy, right? And they've had a, a diversity problem with their membership for years and years that they're now starting to try and change. And it feels like most popular was because they weren't getting enough diversity in that kind of like best picture area. Maybe, you know, maybe that's that maybe they're trying to like quick solve a problem, which they are like is going to require a bit of a longer, you know, fix. Cause I mean, there's 83% it's something like 83% of the membership is, is white middle-aged men, you know, it's, it's crazy. And, um, and, and what the, the, the silly thing for me is it feels like, yeah, it feels like a bandaid solution for something that wouldn't be a problem if they just nominated good films that also were popular. It's not, I mean, it's not that hard to do, right? Like I'd be very interested to see what the average opinion of a film like Black Panther was to the Academy. I wonder how much people's interpretation of whether a film is good or not is simply because they are, uh, um, <laughs> academic wankers or, or like or industry or industry professionals compared to what we would call like the masses you'd think they would see it as a decent film it's not my favorite film but it's decent i don't see it being nominated for best picture though i mean yeah it's a comic book movie they never do but i think that's i think that's maybe where the question is people i think people tend to have a, a problem with what they think the Oscars either are or what they should be. And what they what they are is, like I said, they're a bunch of elites voting on things that they like. How kind of you. Yes. Yeah. And um, there's not much... It doesn't... Like, there, and there's obviously a bit more to it than that, but that is basically a hard, uh, hard answer for what they are. And everyone has a different opinion of what they should be. And, you know, I have no problem with people kicking up a stink when... When that when that's when that doesn't seem to align with what they want the Oscars to represent to them, especially because there's so much there is financial benefit to winning an Oscar and cultural benefit. Like you get rem- your movie will get remembered. Something that the uh, the actors and the directors can always put on their CV in future. Like it's even even if they're just Academy Award nominated. Like that's the main thing that's on posters and everything. Yeah, it's um it is it is a command like you can command higher fees. There is a there is there's a there are tangible reasons why people want to win Oscars, and um, I guess people want to see their favorite films recognized for what they are. It's a shame that I think it's a shame that in this industry the Oscars has become, in some ways, the the arbiter of that. It's a shame there aren't more awards ceremonies that are as highly recommended or respected as the Oscars. We have the Golden Globes, but they're just not really as cultural. Like you know, they're not as huge, are they? Yeah, they're always they're seen as like the minor prize, I guess. Do you think the Oscars loses something of that if they start allowing popular movies in? I think 
I think that they've already got a fair bit of a lead, the Oscars. I mean, if, I imagine if you look at their viewership, they would dominate over all the other similar award ceremonies. It could just be a thing that they have such a lead now and have such influence that they're probably not going to lose that unless they did something that really screwed up. Yeah. Yeah. Guy, what were you going to say? Uh, you know, I was going to say that they might kind of lose a bit of their kind of authority on being a, a, a influencer on what's good and not when they're making decisions like, oh, this is the the merit award for best box office, like, hit or something like that i think it does they do lose a bit of it but i think andrew's right as well as saying is they've got such a head start they're such an institution that they've been around for 90 years yeah with the awards sorry has been around for 90 years and the um the academy's been around for what 92 years now like they're so established you know yeah they, they they do have actually in relation to that there is a correlation between when they nominate crowd-pleasing films for best picture there's a correlation between when they do that and how good the viewing figures are for the academy uh, ceremony that has them so for example the highest ratings they've ever gotten for when films like titanic lord of the rings uh they won best picture and um it was they've, they've been at their lowest when films that i guess us common folk <laughs> i would count myself as one of those um haven't heard of or seen the movies kind of more skewing towards indie films as favorites for best picture so it's interesting that there, there's definitely a correlation there. And so I can understand why they feel obliged to try to keep those numbers up for um, for advertising revenue. But yeah, it, it seems strange to me that they don't just, why don't they just suck it up and start watching or voting for the films that seem quite good that are crowd pleasers? It doesn't make a film worse, right? No, no, I, I agree with you, man. Hmm. It's interesting, Guy, that you would um, bring up the best animated picture category that, that was brought in. 15 or 16 years ago yeah 2002 i'm pretty sure yeah do you feel like that just has made it harder for good animated films to get nominated for best picture or do you think they just wouldn't have gotten nominated at all if if there were just you know if there wasn't a a best um, animated feature i feel like if they didn't have that there probably would have been an animated film in best pictures you know more often than there has been. I feel like, you know, you, you categorize something, then they kind of, it's just human nature to put them where it makes most sense, which is, you know, hey, they've got the animated award, best animated movie award. Let's put it there and then not worry about putting in best picture. I agree with that. I think there have been a couple of animated nominees, like since, I think Shrek was the first one to win, like when they brought in the actual best animated film. But I think they've there have been a couple of films that have been nominated for Best Picture even after they've brought in. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Shre- the internet has ruined Shrek for me. You mean improved? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so just looking, um, since they brought in the Best Animated Film, there's been a couple of Pixar that have been nominated since then for Best Picture, let alone Best Animated, like um, Up and Toy Story 3. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. So, it's I don't know if it's hurting their chances as much. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, how would how would we really know... I guess mm. if it would hurt it or not, it's a bit of a, it, I'm coming, I guess, from an outcome bias thinking, yeah, surely they'd have to have more than just those two over the period of time. But then off the top of my head, I couldn't think about which animated films should be in best picture over the last 18 years. You know, I would have loved to have seen Wally up there. I do really like that movie or um, inside out as well. Another. Oh yeah. That's a great one. Mm. One that stands out. I think over the last couple of decades, it's funny. So in the last few years, I, I was I was quite curious because I was trying to think of maybe some examples where 
popular artists have also won awards for, from other prestigious award ceremonies. And the two that I thought of were Kendrick Lamar won a Pulitzer Prize this year and Bob Dylan won a Nobel Prize. It's, it's not completely um, unheard of that popular artists get recognized. I mean, I wouldn't call Bob Dylan a popular artist in the same way Kendrick Lamar is, but like it's... Um, it's it's not really unheard of that that uh the, the, the extreme especially the especially the Nobel Prize like that's extremely prestigious, and um I find it very interesting that they they got Bob Dylan. Was it literacy? Like Nobel Prize for literacy, yeah. Well, I went to the uh, the Kendrick Lamar concert this year, and he was like, as soon as he came out, there was like Pulitzer Kenny was like blared up on the screen. So really, yeah. So he was like owning, it. <laughs> like he was loving it. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Yeah, shit, yeah, I would. That'll be in my first name. I'll change my first name to Pulitzer. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, Pulitzer, Pulitzer Conway? Yeah, shit. Yeah. Do you, Do you guys have any categories you would want to see in the Oscars at all? Do you think Do you think there are like I don't know there are kind I don't know Would you or do you think it's about as good as it's ever going to be? I think there's, they are going to. There are, will be new ones that get introduced. I think it's happened throughout their history enough times. Like best stunt, probably be pretty fun. Well, because like at least honor the stunt workers doing it. That's interesting. I actually, I think they used to have a stunt. I've, one. I've looked it up because I was going to say one that I would like to see is best casting for a film. But now I've seen that that actually got rejected twenty years ago <laughs> as an idea. And same with best stunt coordination that has been rejected before. Yeah, I thought there was a stunt. Like, I don't see why you shouldn't have it. Like, fight coordinators do a lot of work. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that because, you know, there are 17 branches of the academy that make up all of the different kind of um, people that are involved in film industry, you know, from, like, producers to music, editors, makeup. And there there is, like, costume design Oscars, right? So I would be I'd be so down with a stunt um oscar i think that would be great yeah like give it to tom cruise this year for sure like at least the stunt coordinator well i guess that's the thing would the award would the award be given to a movie or to a team or just a certain person to a team i reckon yeah definitely to a team like share it out between a team must be a team the same way that there's a costume category and makeup when we talk about whether it'd be a good idea the, the how they qualified what the academy was created for when um Lewis Meyer made it in 1927 is that they 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 did some, they did two things right they did one they wanted to get all the unions out of kind of like all the labor disputes they were having in Hollywood so that you know so Louis Meyer could make a lot more money and then two it was to increase the industry's image you know and enhance it and make people care more about the industry so like i think it's it seems to me like when they we go back to the most popular film category that they thought about introducing it seems like that they're the kind of things they should do, you know, and a stunt, I think, is a great one. It just, yeah, it just makes sense, you know, to qualify what the actual, like, the why of the awards. Yes. If they did bring in a Best Stunt Coordination Award, who, which do you think would win out of the last couple of decades, which would be the standout winner, would you say? Oh, it'd have to be Mad Max Fury Road. Like, surely. <laughs> yeah, Mad Max that year. I was about to say. I mean, I'm, that's the only one that comes to mind, but I, I remember that so much of that was practical. Like, there were so, there were so few special effects. Um, well, that's why, didn't, didn't that movie win? Didn't that movie win, like, eight Oscars or something? Something around that? It won a lot for visual effects and stuff like that. And did it, did it, that didn't win Best Picture, did it? I mean, practical effects, practical effects could be a... Um, another award category or something, but I agree with Mad Max and, and pretty much 
many of the Mission Impossibles that have come out over the past, you know, five, six years, going back to what Akon was saying about Tom Cruise, like, that guy's incredible at, like, all the stunts and actions that he does. And his team must be incredible, too, because they're fantastic films. I think you, I don't know if John Wick would win, but I'll put John Wick in as, like, a martial arts-wise, like, fight choreography, like, for stunt work would be good. Like, I wouldn't put Taken in there because that's all editing. That's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> It's got complete opposite ends there with, with like, 70-year-old Liam Neeson. I have a quote, Guy. You you mentioned Louis B. Mayer, who helped found the the Academy. Um, I have this fantastic quote I read when I was reading about the Oscars. He said, and this was two years after their first ceremony, I'm pretty sure. He said, I found that the best way to handle filmmakers was to hang medals over them. If I got them cups and awards, they'd kill themselves to produce what I wanted. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that's, that was like, that's like the founding argument for why he wanted to make the Oscars, which I thought was really, <laughs> really telling. Oh, man. Louis Meyer is one of my favorite Hollywood personalities of all time because he was, he's like the Don, you know? Like he, was, he was the most powerful guy ever. He would ruin people's lives and he just wouldn't care because it was all about money for him. He grew up in like, I think he, I think he was born in Russia or something and then grew up poor in Boston. Um, but yeah, he's just, he's just the incredible. And he started, uh, co-founded MGM, which is one of my favorite kind of like old film houses. So what what was that um, quote, Charlie? Was it basically saying that with the like it's like an incentive if they have an Oscars award to get better like better work out of his team or his actors? Yeah, as Guy originally said, it was it had to do with unions. It was try it was a bit of like it was a it was a clever union busting technique, I guess, um, to to give to, to to artificially create this prestige that um, that actors would do whatever they whatever <laughs> whatever Louis wanted on on Louis's terms. Yeah, the the. The, the actual academy itself, the membership and, and the academy was designed to kind of keep the unions out of labour disputes. I, I think the awards is probably closer to what you said initially, um, Charlie, about Louis just wanting to have dangle a carrot in front of all of his well, talent. That makes sense, the kind of the carrot dangling, because can you imagine if there were no Oscars, would Leo DiCaprio have done what he did in The Revenant? Like that level of... Oh, <laughs> He's sitting there just going, think of the Oscar, think of the Oscar, <laughs> thinking of the Oscar while he eats <laughs> horse carcass. Do you think it's, do you think he should have won that? Nah. Yeah, well, who was he up against that year? I think the other one was, um, who was it? The, the Danish girl, where it was, uh, Eddie Redmayne. I think he was the, uh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. one of the four, I think he was one of the forerunners last year, but he had won the Oscar the year before. Yeah, right. For, uh, Theory of Everything. I think he was one of the... I think DiCaprio was, like, the favourite. Yeah, well, I mean, I think he was a favourite, but was he a favourite because he cause he had never won one and he'd finally, like, he, he ate shit to get there? Or? Oh, totally, totally. Because he had become a meme at that point? Yeah. The media had pr- primed everyone to want Leo to win. And, you know, the Academy's yeah. got to give the people what they want. If they put it out to a vote, global vote, I guarantee that Leonardo DiCaprio would still be walking away with that Oscar. Oh, yeah. Well, he probably would have won it already by then. Um I think he did a better job in Django Unchained. Yeah, true. That is a pretty. That's a, that's a good one. I think the funny thing about Leo winning for The Revenant is it's one of those weird ones where sometimes I feel like um, the Academy votes as like an emotional hive mind, and that I find that really fascinating. <laughs> like, um, for ex- like for example, I think um, Heath Ledger winning as the Joker is another example of that. Like. They decide to be like. Is it, is if it, you looked at who was up against that year, I still think he would have been the favorite. 
The only thing I remember from that year's nomination is that Robert Downey Jr. for Tropic Thunder was also nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Robert Downey Jr. in Blackface was also mm. nominated for the same category. Never forget. Excuse me, guys. Excuse me, guys. Robert Downey Jr. Man. played a guy playing Blackface. It's, it's different. That's true. It's different. They're, they're, they're the only two I remember from that year. I don't know who else would have been up. Oh, that's a dire year. All right, we had Josh Brolin. Junior, oh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Michael Shannon. Yeah, like 2009. I remember when Sergio Leone got nominated for Best Music. Oh, yeah. Um, best, composi- best Composing. I can't remember the exact award, mm. but it was his first Western in so many decades. And it was the last Western he was ever going to compose mm. original music for. So it was so obvious he was going to win an award because he'd never won one before. Yeah. In fact, I was so sure of it. I put money on it and I won money because I was so <laughs> sure that like, it, there's no way the Oscars were going to say no to him, even though, even though John Williams had been nominated for the force awakens score, which was obviously good as well. But I mean, John Williams has still got a few years in him. Mm. This was their last chance to, to decorate Sergio Leone. So is this is this the argument, Charlie, that sometimes they give out like a lifetime achievement award for like yeah, I feel, for a specific I, movie, even if even if they haven't really earned it. Yeah, I feel like I feel like they do that sometimes. Yeah, do you think there's what? Do, what do you think? I can understand that argument. Um, I don't know if I've ever really uh, agreed with any of the examples given, but mm. I can understand. Well, it. I mean, yeah. it doesn't happen all the time. It's like we we know the voting processes with the eight thousand members, and they're all just like humans in the in the industry that are all kind of um, fallible to priming biases which come through all the you know media reporting on these things so i know i remember heath ledger was like lauded for his acting performance of the joker i think even before he died um in the in the film mm. and, and you know same with you know ennio morricone getting it after his legacy you know there's a, there'd be a lot of influences there that bias these kind of things and the other side of it is um there's campaigning. I mean, there's strict laws, well, not laws, strict rules, I guess, about um, campaigning or giving gifts to members of the academy to kind of help get their vote. Not that you can really police it because, you know, they get free screenings of all these movies from all these production houses. Like um, <laughs> some uh, movie studios hire actual award specialists to come up with campaigns, kind of under the table campaigns to get academy members to vote for their films or their their actors or whatever. So you could definitely see like there would be that kind of influence of legacy on on awards. And I, I mean, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because, like we were talking about before, you know, the Os- the Oscars and the Academies is as much for what the people want to see and what makes them feel good and keeps them going to the movies. So. If everyone's screaming out for Heath Ledger to win an Oscar or um, whoever else, I, I'm down with it. I want so this is actually this is what I'm going to. I want to go on about this. The reason I love the Academy Awards is because they're so like they're they're, they're a mess. You know, they're flawed. You have like the the envelope scandal with Warren Beatty. Um, you know, you got people not not going. Um, you know, and and then and then they've got like uh, the the diversity issues and all this and i think that like the academy awards because they're such like a a clusterfuck sometimes is so like positive for keeping people engaged with the film industry and keeping them talking about it and stuff i don't think they're in a in a position where um they can they, they haven't really had bad enough publicity, you know, because they do take the right steps in, to- in terms of diversity or, or when Harvey Weinstein, they booted him out of the academy when the sexual harassment stuff, same with Roman Polanski and um, Bill Cosby. 
I just think the, the more of a clusterfuck, the more people can sit there, especially in something quite subjective, like film performance and stuff. It's, this is what I like about it. It's just a <laughs> You love the fun. drama. You you, so that, <laughs> you love Chaos Guy. That's good. And and they've gone a bit tame with the, the hosts in the last few years. So they need to bring back some like really controversial host and really get it going again. Yeah, absolutely. I thought Chris Rock was good. I thought he was a... Do, do, you, do you consider that a safe one in the midst of the um, the diversity problems that happened, you know, I think in 2016. Do you think... Do you, I thought Chris Rock was a good pick. At least they got him and not Kevin Hart. <laughs> or Chris Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. If they both teamed up, it would have been good. Man, like, it, for the whole history of the Academy Awards, even from the start, is like contradictory, you know? Um, Louis Meyer was a, was a real, like, staunch conservative, and now it's become a kind of platform for progressive political opinions to come out during, like speech acceptances, you know, all the way through the 70s, 80s, 90s. People talk about, um, uh, I can't remember the actors, I think it was Richard Gere talking about um, AIDS victims in Haiti. Well, that was Susan Sarandon. Um, and, like, it's funny that the guy who who created the awards, well, created the Academy that created the awards, was so, like, staunch conservative American values and money, and now everyone's kind of, like, using it as a platform for equality and progression and blah, blah, blah. Like, Everything about it is a con- contradiction, and that's why it's perfect. It is such a contradiction. It's so cringe sometimes. Like they kind of, it's a bit, it's a bit wanky. <laughs> like they, they really, they really toss each other off a fair bit. Yeah, and it's it's like millionaires getting up there and talking about like the issues, and then like there's no, they're not kind of advocating wealth distribution of their own. They're advocating, you know, that somebody has to do something about this. Not me though. Yeah, I'm just gonna say it. So, so you consider it a beautiful thing, do you, guy? This um, oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I think the fl- the f- it, this is this is a part of like you know why I think Fast and Furious is one of the greatest franchises of all time is because things that have flaws or bad bits, you know, doesn't make them not good. You know, like. Uh, the imperfections, I don't want to use the old trope, you know, the imperfections is what makes it so beautiful. But, you know, that's kind of the way I'm going with it. So I can add to the charm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and yeah, like they're, they're in the boredom killing business. If I can borrow the line from Peter Finch, who I spoke about earlier. Um, yeah, they were in the boredom killing business. So the more f- noise they make, the better it is, the more people tune in, listen in, and hopefully want to explore whether they think the people saying these things are right or wrong and whether that comes out through the film industries and people going to more movies or maybe in, in political areas when you've got your millionaires talking about, you know, let more immigrants in kind of stuff. Like, so it's <laughs> so, so, you, so you think it's like if a tree falls in the woods, it's like if, if an Oscar gets handed out and there's no drama that year. Was there even an award ceremony? Is that is that the way yeah. you like to see it? There's just yeah. no interest. Yeah, in it. man. Like, <laughs> I, obviously, there's you know respect for people winning Oscars. I mean, like, it's a it's a pretty hard thing to do, I imagine. But like, you know, the the most effective thing I see is how it can how it can like um, expand the the relevancy of the industry. Not that it really needs much help, like Hollywood to, to kind of drum up drama and relevancy and stuff. But you know, I think it's. I think it it adds to the spectacle, which is what it effectively is. It's a spectacle. So, so that's that's an interesting thing. So, guy, you so you've made it clear how you consider the like how you consume the Oscars and mm. what you think of them. 
I mean, what do you think, Alex? Do you like how seriously do you take them? Like, I tune in, or I, I don't know, so so. Like, if I've seen the movie and I like it, then I'm like, oh, I hope that wins, or stuff like that. But uh, I don't know, not really too focused because, dude, we're not in the industry. We're not. Our life doesn't depend on that stuff. Like, it doesn't really matter that much. So, if it's a good performance, it's have good. You ever been, have you ever been angry at a, at a result? No. Fuck no. Why would I get angry? <laughs> like, if anybody, any regular Joe gets angry, they're an idiot. <laughs> Andy? Like, oh, well, I'm hugely emotionally invested. I get furious when they... No, actually. Um, well, it's interesting. I do... If, if I have, like, the day off and something and the Oscars are on, I'll have it on the TV in the background. Um, but, you know, a lot of the times... I don't watch the entire thing because it just goes for way too long and, you know, it's like 20 or 30 minutes of bullshit then they have the quick two-minute presentation and a lot of it just drags on so much. But that's interesting about what you say, whether you've ever been, like, angry at a result. And I wouldn't say angry, but there have des- definitely been some times where I'm definitely gunning for a certain person to win and then when they don't win, you feel a little bit sad for them until you remember that they're a multimillionaire and they probably don't care too much either. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, I think I kind of feel the same. Sometimes I do uh, emotionally... I feel strongly for some contenders, usually the underdogs. I remember really wanting District 8 to to, 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 to pull through, um, I think, the same year that The Hurt Locker won, which which was also a good result because I didn't think Avatar should have won Best Picture. Um which I was happy when it didn't. Maybe maybe that's about as invested as I ever got. I was I was I was a staunch like anti Avatar person because I don't I <laughs> I was I remember being um surprised by how much money it was making and the biggest lesson I learned from all of that was I really got to stop taking movies so seriously. So um yeah. I don't. But which which is fine. Like I understand that like we're four white guys that don't care about the Oscars, but I think it's great that people have the opportunity and the inclination to like demand what they want out of the Oscars. I think that's great. My solution when I get fed up with the Oscars is I'm going to make my own award ceremony with blackjack and hookers. In fact, I'm going to call it, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to call it the credits. We'll have to do this. Actually, okay, we're going to do this in a couple of months. At the end of the year, we have to have our own after credibles award ceremony. That's, that's a, that's a guarantee. That's a goddamn guarantee. Ooh, I I like that idea. So think up some credits, um, think something, (laughs) It's the credits. It's the worst word. All right. Credits it is. It's credits. Think up some uh, categories for the for the credits, guys. Oh, we're, de- we're definitely going to do um, best stunt coordination oh, for an option. Oh, yeah. Best, absolutely. Best popular film. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We have to make our own goddamn award ceremony with best stunt coordinator, best popular film. We can do the Oscars rejections. That can be the categories that we do. And we can do worst. We can, I mean, screw all this positivity. Let's, we got to have worst movie, worst stunt, <laughs> worst yeah, popular worst film. Well, they already, oh, like they've the already got the golden raspberries. Yeah. We'll make our own raspberries, the credits. Yeah. It's on. Yeah. How, how about this for a fun fact? Um, since 1950, the statuettes that the people get for the awards um, are legally required that if they want to sell them, they have to first make an offer to the Academy to buy it for a dollar. And then the Academy has to say, you know, yes or no. And generally they buy it back. And I think only only like one actor has ever managed to sell his, like personally sell his um, award and that was um, Harold Russell won the 1946 Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. And 
like the Oscars, the, the Academy tried to stop him from selling the um, statuette, but because he did it, he won it in 1946 before they made the, the like a clause in 1950, he was allowed to. So he sold it for about $60,000. And then, you know, apart from that, those Oscars actually have zero value, like, as a thing. Was that 60000 back then in 1946? No, no, he sold it in, 19, he sold it in 1992, sorry, because he needed money to help, to help his wife with medical funds. Uh, Poor bugger. I mean, good. I'm pleased he was able to sell it. Yeah, Orson Welles, um, Orson Welles' kids put up his Oscar for Citizen Kane, the best original screenplay, um, and managed to sell it in 2004, or sorry, 2011. They... They won a 2004 court decision, sold in online auction for $861,000. Jeez. Oh, and that'd be a big one too. Of all the of all the um, awards, you'd think Orson it's, Welles would it's be a Citizen big Kane one. of awards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I, I think that's interesting that like it, the, the actual value, the market value of that is a dollar, one US dollar, because they have to sell it back to the Academy. And the Academy would never say, nah, go ahead, sell it on the open market. Never heard of that before. That's, but that's, yeah, it's strange. I suppose I'm not surprised, but I am surprised. <laughs> I'm not, I'm surprised, but not that surprised. Yeah. And, and, and basically, so everyone who wins has to agree to the stipulation that they have to sell it back to the Academy. And if they don't agree, then the Academy just keeps the statuette and I guess names them as the award recipient. That's so rough. Like, what if you, I mean, huh. I mean, I, I, maybe I would stage... Could you stage a, a, a heist and have someone steal it and sell it on your behalf? That'd be a daring and uh, fairly risky, fraudulent scheme. Yeah. And then I want them to make a movie about that heist and then it becomes an Oscar winner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most popular picture. <laughs> well, on that note, I think it's time to leave you all. Thank you for listening to The After Credibles, your least credible movie podcast. Thanks to our presenters, Andy, Alex, and Guy. Cheers, mate. Cheers, boys. Uh, let's go get a Razzie. Let's go win a Razzie. Oh, but I really want to win a credit. If you liked the show, please subscribe, tell a friend, or send us some feedback. We are on Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, and everywhere else you get your favorite podcasts. Whatever feedback you want to give, we will read, and it helps other people find the show. So please take some time to send it anything our way, if you can. I'm Charlie Rogers, and we'll be here next week. Thanks for listening to The After Credibles.